Hey guys. I have not put out an episode in a month. It's it's been an interesting month. <laughs> um I found myself kind of starving for some depth and I've had a, a little bit of writer's block maybe, but some things came finally last few days and I think that they're helpful, so I decided to share. Um, I journal. It's very helpful for me. Um, I recommend it. It's kind of a good way to track your thoughts and moods and be real mindful of what you got going on so you can tend to yourself. Um, But the last 30 days, you know, I... I've noticed that I've shifted into this new space of um, simply not caring about a lot of the things I did before and really I'm very focused on feeling good, Um, creating peace and harmony for myself, doing what I want to do with zero obligation to hold space for other people's opinions. Um, I don't want them. And I don't need them. I've grown real fond of my own company again. I told someone that recently, and it's it's really really true. Um, so it's it's not that I don't care about my you know the people around me, the the trusted people around me that I love. Um, obviously, I I do care about their you know their thoughts and opinions, just, um, not so much necessarily the ones about me and, and not that I have anyone close to me anymore that has a negative opinion about me. I kind of cut, cut, snip, snip, you know, the people in my life that kind of had that going on, but just like with small things even, um, and just really honing in on, on doing what I want to do and and being okay with how I feel, um, kind of wanting to become a little bit more private about my my life and what's going on with me, and you know, I don't I don't feel this burning urge to pick up the phone and share every little thing anymore like I used to, and I think that's good. I um, kind of have this new sense of you know privacy and being in my own space. Um, I'm also feeling very secure um, and safe again lately. My PTSD symptoms have really simmered down a lot since shifting my focus solely to um, my own well-being and not feeling guilt for not paying attention to everyone else's needs all the time. Um, I'm allowed to have needs now, so that's been nice and that's been helpful for me. Um, And I've noticed that... that, um, you know, kind of the jumpy um, stuff has kind of gone away, like really, really seems permanently. So that's good. I shared last episode, I I had uh, kind of a sudden feeling of openness again to the world and to people. Um, um, it, it brought me someone almost immediately kind of opening myself back up like that again to optimism and 
and going, okay, you know, not everybody's bad. Um, this was not a long-term person. It was just a couple of weeks. Uh, but that's kind of what I've been up to, and I needed the experience and learned from it. And I hadn't let someone uh, that close to me emotionally, a man anyways, um, in years, quite honestly. So out of that um, and feeling some some true joyfulness again, not that I haven't been joyful, um, it just I just hadn't felt those particular things in a very long time. Uh, it showed me I was I was kind of living a little on the stagnant side, and it actually pushed me to quit the job I've been unhappy in. Um, I just did it <laughs> after feeling some real quality happiness um, on a level that I really haven't experienced in a, a long while. I thought what am I doing? I'm wasting my time feeling unhappy here. Um, I was scared. I, you know, I did not have another solid job or known source of income lined up when I decided to quit, but, um, I decided to do that for myself and take care of myself in that way. And just, uh, you know, a few days later, an opportunity kind of fell into my lap and I just had this kind of this gut feeling that that would happen for me if I chose myself and chose, you know, chose to take myself out of that hurtful situation. And I actually ended up landing my dream job. And I realized I was holding myself back from, from my full potential and happiness. So we're going to talk about that today. Um, how to take control of your life, your state of mind and how to be vulnerable and let life fall the way it's supposed to for you. I think when we go through these abusive relationships, they teach us it's unsafe to be vulnerable in the world. It's not just, you know, it's not, it's not unsafe to be vulnerable. That's what I've learned. You just have to figure out how to do it better. Uh, and you have to learn when not to be vulnerable too. So, when I have to interact with someone or a situation that does not feel good, um, that's toxic, negative, or just is something that I feel is bringing me down in life, um, instead of being angry about that or just that feeling of, gosh, why, why do people have to be like that, you know? Um, I'm trying to find a purpose for the situations um, in these types of people within my world. And I think these are the people who push me to reach my goals sometimes unknowingly. Um, their lack of compassion ignites my own. So maybe that's the yin and yang to it. I'm not sure. After being frustrated with myself for months and feeling like I'm doing something wrong all of the all the time um, in that workplace, all of the sudden a light bulb came on, you know, pretty recently when I decided to quit and it said, you don't have to do this if you don't want to. You don't have to do this. And then I had to ask myself, well, what do I want to be doing if I don't want to be doing this? Because that's what I thought I wanted to be doing. But I had to ask myself, well, what do you want to be doing? 
So I made a list my last semester of school. So this would have been, oh, four or five months ago or so. They made us do it for an assignment. And I looked at it again today, and I've already checked off all of the items except for one of them. I hadn't looked at it in a while, and I thought that, hey, that's pretty profound. I hadn't even realized all I've done since graduation, you know, due to feeling a constant state of discouragement um, in the situation I was in. Um, I also realized maybe I, maybe I needed it to fuel my fire a little. I, I felt a little lost after graduation and didn't know where to go, so I thought I was going home. You know, I thought it would feel good to, to go home and be somewhere familiar from when I was younger. My list was, one, to continue developing emotional intelligence and resiliency. Well, I've definitely done that. This last situation I got myself into helped me with these things for sure. I had to be resilient, and I was. Um, I would also say I gained emotional intelligence for sure. You know, that was kind of a test for me. Um, I identified lots of feelings that I was having, and I knew what to do about them. I didn't ignore them this time. I felt them, and I made the decision to leave. So I felt that that item was checked off. Number two, to continue volunteering my skill set to my community and help survivors by giving education and support. Yep, still doing that. And... Uh, Actually, I've kind of kicked it up a notch from experiencing a yucky environment again. That was great motivation and reminder to stay focused on what is okay and what is not okay treatment. And um, to teach others, you know, that line and to live better, a better quality life without, without all of that going on. Um, I started working for a very well-known domestic violence agency recently. Um, it's been excellent. I feel very organic in my role there, helping survivors. Um, and also, you know, it kind, kind of made me think about my podcast. Um, I'm really proud of it. And I never thought it would get to the point that it's at. Um, I'm at over 3,000 listeners and I get messages almost daily from folks all over the U.S. and actually outside of the U.S. 15% of those listeners are in the U.K. Um, that listen and, you know, that helps me too. Um, I can't tell you what that does for me, especially when I'm having a hard day feeling like I'm not doing enough. And I wake up to a message and, you know, just telling me that I've helped them or that they've left. <laughs> um, so I reached my goal there. My goal was I want to help at least one person leave an abusive relationship. When I um, decided to get brave and start talking about this publicly, and I did. I didn't think it would be thousands, but I think it's pretty cool. Number three, to obtain employment as a psychiatric nurse and develop an excellent skill set through accessing mentors and gaining exposure to a wide variety of cases. If I wouldn't have quit that job recently, I would not have gained employment doing just that. I started in two weeks. Um, I'm very excited. 
It was the first job I interviewed for after quitting, and I got it. And I earned it. I worked very hard for my nursing degree, and um, I need to honor that and not and not get distracted again. I got distracted with the past. Um, I think I had some un- unresolved issues that lingered um, and lured me back in, and I thought being somewhere familiar would be helpful for me, you know, after the pandemic. Um, but all I found there was the reason I had left to go to nursing school in the first place, so that was a big lesson learned. And number four my last item was to obtain a master's level degree um, in nursing and transition to the role of psychiatric nurse practitioner. So that one I haven't gotten to yet, but I'll get there also. And, you know, all of this is so important to me and it needs to stay that way. So I think the role of toxic environments and people that make their way into my life may be to bring bring to my attention once in a while. Hey, Jen, it's time for an inventory. Are you really focusing on what you want to be doing? You know, I need to not take these opportunities for, for granted that I've earned for myself. So in a way, I think sometimes I have to thank these situations and types of people for making me non-complacent and frustrating me to the point of wanting to maybe prove them wrong or wanting to just get away from them in such a big way. Like, I need to get away from you (laughs) and get to a more peaceful and successful place in my life because I was about to settle again in that situation. And it had to get difficult for me not to. So I'm trying to transition out of feeling frustrated when something gets difficult or it's not working out and just being like, okay, what's the lesson in this? You know, everything happens for a reason. I need to learn from it. But now I know, you know, don't go back to familiar. And and I'm sharing this with you guys because it's, you know, it's kind of the same with, with abusive relationships, right? Don't go back to familiar. You think it will feel good, it won't. You're past that. Become rooted in your future as to not slip backward when it begins to rain. Right? Um, You know, and while it's important to be around like-minded people, to have inner peace and harmony and, and a life free of turmoils, you know, sometimes once in a while interaction with people who are not like-minded get you to think about what you're doing and what you want to be doing differently. So walking around a hospital again yesterday felt so good. I haven't been inside of one for months and um, I went for my, my physical and all that stuff. And I noticed while, while being there that I just had this overwhelming sense again of my purpose and I will always have a drive to fight for people in the world and their feelings and help them feel better because nobody should feel like shit including me and you. We are here to thrive as human beings, not made to believe we're not good enough, right? We shouldn't be stuck in that constant state of not feeling good enough. And some people feel they thrive by living a life where they step on everyone else's neck, being a tyrant to get to the top. That is the furthest version of success for me. 
that really hit me yesterday while I was walking the halls of that hospital. So I chose today to no longer hold space in my head or heart for the opinion of someone who lives that way. Success for me means no constant state, not being stagnant, ever learning and growing. I can't stay the same too long. I always have to be growing wiser, stronger, and helping as many people as possible while doing it. There are no put-downs or necks to be stepped on in my version of success. Um, also, money's got nothing to do with it for me either. Do I make a good living doing what I do? Sure. Um, but, you know, it's funny. I, I did it for free for many years in school um, and, you know, took internships and as many jobs as I could getting paid crap money so I could learn and be be in this and get good at it and help people and I felt so much more fulfilled than I ever did earning money from someone I can't relate to, no matter how much they paid me. So, just really focusing on what I want, what I don't want. Um, I can't be around unempathetic thinking. It goes against everything that I am now. And I think for a while I was feeling like this very thing would make the world more difficult for me to be in, right? Like, I don't have thick skin for it anymore. I can't, I can't be like I used to and ignore it and just get through my day. But now I see that that's actually set me free and given me permission in my own mind to just leave and not be around it. Um, I've found I can't barricade myself from, from this type of thing, nor do I want to. I mean, this... This type of thing does have a place in my life sometimes. It just looks very different than it used to. These folks won't be close, trusted individuals with a constant role. So not a romantic partner. Learned that lesson. Um, not here to fix anybody there and not a mentor or leader of mine. Learned that lesson now too. How can someone mentor me who doesn't have the same foundational morals and way of thinking about how to treat other people? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. So, But it doesn't mean I can't learn from them. My point is I'm just not learning the same things I used to from them. Um, I've spent some time around um, my ex-abusive partner again after a year apart uh, safely. I always want to stress safety and that I see him in a safe setting with support from people who know our situation. Um, I'm exploring there. But it's been interesting getting to be me around him now with no filter or an ounce of worry about what he thinks or what he'll think. Um, I speak my mind authentically and clearly without fear. I urge you to really focus on your self-worth and self-confidence. Gaining this back will do so much for you. Um, it's the very thing that they rob you of. And it has to be done away from them. It cannot be done around them. I had to spend a long time away from him to get there. But after some time and really getting all of that back and more, I, I'd actually say I'm more comfortable fully being me within myself in my own skin after this experience than I ever was before him. Um, you know, you'll, you'll find it easier to interact with them and people like them 
or situations that remind you of them with this strong sense of self-worth in your pocket. Um, It finally feels like a safe space for honesty about actions and feelings to be expressed because he doesn't have the ability to make me feel bad about myself anymore in any fashion. Um, He honestly does not try. And if he ever were to start again, I don't have the urge to engage in it. It really actually repels me. Um, And I think he gets that. Last time we spoke, he brought up an incident that happened um, early on in our relationship with a woman he's been involved with before me. With um, he invited he invited her on a trip and into our hotel room the day before our first vacation together. It was it was a group thing, um, but he offered, you know, for a complete stranger to me at the time to come stay the night with us and wanted to act like that was normal. Just the three of us. Three's company. Uh, yeah. It was the first like weird situation. First very big red flag. Um, you know, it was presented in a way of like, oh, she's coming on the trip last minute. She doesn't have a place to stay tonight. Um, which really was him kind of going, all right, let me, let me throw this in the mix to confuse, you know, the living hell out of her and make her feel insecure. You know, he had to get his hooks in me and start doing all that. So I truly believe that's what all that was. But when we spoke last, he mentioned having lunch with her and he said, I know you don't like her. Um, you know, bringing her up probably to try to get that emotional response out of me he used to love so much. And with all this new stuff, you know, that I have gained from healing and in recovery and, and, and just saying it how it is, I looked him straight in the eyes and said, I actually don't have a problem with her at all. I think she cares a lot about you and that that situation was purposely manufactured by you to make her feel confused and make me feel confused. And it started a big-ass fight, and I think you knew it was going to before you caused the whole thing, and that you like the attention. I feel you're the problem, not her. And I'm not angry with any of the women you were with in, in my time together with you because you lied to all of them, and you lied to me. His eyebrows uh, had shot up to his hairline and he just stared down at the kitchen table with no words for a moment. I just smiled and drank my wine. Um, But when I think about that interaction, you know, in the past he would have interrupted me. Uh, He would have tried to gaslight me. You think you know everything. It's always me, isn't it? Uh, My favorite one, I'm not the bad guy you think I am, Um, you know, or that I'm crazy or jealous and, you know, I make all this up in my head. There was just none of that. Um, So he is starting to maybe gain insight. I'm unsure, honestly. It could just be him trying to pull a a fast one on me. Um, You know, he said recently, also that same night, I think I might have anger problems. I feel angry a lot. Yeah, you think? You see, so I'm I'm so aware of 
his behavior and understand the mechanisms on a level where I can't be argued with or confused about it, right? So what's my point here? My point is when you know something, do not question yourself and do not downplay or filter anything to make them more comfortable. Make that your goal. When you see or hear or feel something, do not feel the need for any further evidence. That is enough, especially if uh, there is a pattern or history of the events or behavior. And don't let them argue with you about that. So in healing, if you're still choosing to speak with your abuser or if you must do to having children, um, and that's why I'm choosing to share this, I kind of thought it would be helpful for folks that you know have kids and have to see see these people on a regular basis you need to speak your truth and let this statement exude off of you and out of every pore in your body my feelings are not up for debate and you can even say that if they're trying to gaslight you my feelings are not up for debate we're not going to argue about how i feel that's how i feel so for me um these new types of very calm, matter-of-fact, raw, uh, quiet, you know, even kind of friendly conversations with no yelling or screaming or arguing about what went on have been very, very helpful for me. Uh, I told him, you know, it's nice being able to talk like this and be honest. Um, maybe it's growing on him or maybe it's just his way of getting to see me looking pretty across the table again. And that's the extent of it for him. Who knows? But transparency is needed. Uh, transparency needs to be modeled for these folks. You know, I know that much. All right. I kind of brought up all of that to talk about this um, and go a little further into how to interact if you must. Um, again, I thought it might be helpful for people who are still living with the person um, have kids, have to see them, you know, for a trade-off, um, you know, every week, every couple days. Um, I think these types of partners and relationships get us to a point, especially in the thick of it, where we feel as though we're the crazy one, right? Like, we're not emotionally healthy, we are not sane, we do not have touch with reality, and truthfully, if they are good at it enough, they are able to get you out of touch with reality temporarily, I was, I was there for some time. However, if you're listening to this, I bet you're healthier than you think and healthier than they want you to believe because you've picked up your phone, Googled, researched, pondered um, abuse and abusive relationships and have found yourself here. So yes, this is happening to you. Um, this has happened to you and you're in the right place and getting curious and you know, educating yourself to get the hell out of it. So I'm here to validate you in that and want you to stay on that track. Um, don't listen to them when they try to tell you that, that this isn't what's going on. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about some signs of emotional health. What are signs of being healthy and what are signs of being unhealthy and where are you and where is your partner? Um, I listened to a lecture on this the other day, so I kind of made some notes and thought it was helpful. So when you're listening to this, be real honest with yourself. Push that ever-burning sensation of loyalty for them away when answering. 
all right? Uh, lack of insight versus very strong sense of insight. Okay, those are the two opposites here. Insight is the ability for someone to be in touch with reality. Lack of insight is being out of touch with reality. So this can look like some denial, but also people with no insight uh, believe their own lies and don't think that there's a problem. So signs of having insight, which is healthy. Uh, do you think about how your behavior affects other people? Do you think about that? Do you think, you know, do you think about how your decisions affect other people? Do you observe the way your actions affect other people? Can you clearly understand what that does? Do you have feelings about that? Now, notice I didn't ask you how you were behaving. This isn't a question of behaving badly or behaving well or your opinion of that or other people's opinion of that. When I was in my abusive relationship, I did many things I'm not proud of. I lied to my friends. I lied, you know, about my whereabouts to hide it. I lied about injuries. Um, did not spend enough time with my child, prioritized my abusive partner over my child at times uh, when I was really, really stuck in the cycle there for a minute. Um, I am not beating myself up here, and I have worked very hard in therapy to forgive myself and heal these negative feelings and thoughts around what I was doing and repair my relationship with my daughter. But that's a picture of what having insight is. That would be having insight is being aware of what's going on and that it's a problem. Not having insight can look like lying, uh, but believing your own lies, right? Uh, not getting really good at acting like they're true, because I got really good at acting like they're true, but actually believing them. Not understanding the effects of one's behavior. Not understanding that one has a problem not understanding that one's behavior is causing mass distress to their partner and children, not understanding the severity of how disordered their behavior and pathological lying is, not thinking they have a problem. They don't think there's a problem. That would be not having insight. So which one are you and which one is your partner? So that can get a little bit confusing with gaslighting, right? Because gaslighting can take away your insight. Um, but let's think about what it, what it feels like to be gaslit. I sense how you feel about me, though something different comes out of your mouth. You say one thing and do another. So I'd kind of argue that it's not lack of insight. It's mass confusion and crazy making. That's manipulation. And I'd like to point out to you, if you're, you know, pondering on that, you weren't like that before them, and you won't be that way away from them. So I hope that helps you understand the difference, too, if you think you may be the emotionally unhealthy one. Um, and if you're able to articulate all of this and identify with it, you have insight and have some level of emotional health. So focus on it, make it grow, focus on reality, um, Push yourself out of denial if you're there. Um, this will help you get better. The other sign of emotional health versus someone who isn't as emotionally healthy is the ability to identify feelings and articulate them. 
So again, which one are you? Which one is your partner? Um, do you burn up with feelings and either write them out in texts, long ones, because your partner does not give you space to conversate verbally about them? Um, or are you constantly ruminating in them because your partner has discarded you or is giving you the silent treatment or won't talk to you? Um, do you know how you feel? Sad? Betrayed? Violated? Belittled? Upset? Anxious? Fearful? Up and down? Hopeful you will get back together? Anguish? Pain? Hope for new love to distract yourself from all this? Anger? Uh, those would all be very normal feelings of, um, of an abuse victim. And if you have the ability to know that that's how you feel and articulate that and say it, whether your partner holds space for you to or not, that is a clear sign of someone who is, you know, more on the emotionally healthy side. Now, again, are all of these good emotions? I'd say so. I think all emotions are good. I think all of them are necessary. They tell us what to do and what not to do anymore, really. Are they all fun or desirable? No, not really. Some of them can be not fun sometimes, but it doesn't mean that they're not healthy. My point is, don't feel like you're not emotionally healthy because you have emotions and have to process them and feel them and think about them, talk about them. Um, abusive partners like to you know, they love to make us feel that everything is unhealthy and, and wrong with us and makes us needy and unlovable when we have feelings. It's not. I also hope that that validates you too. So know your gut, know your body signals, listen to them. This will help you to proceed or not proceed in, in dating after abusive relationships also. You really got to get good at, at listening to yourself again. Um, you know, it's kind of like clinical judgment. Like when I am taking care of someone in, in a hospital, like in school, you know, I'm brand new at it, right? Like I don't, I don't know everything, but I feel this sense of, you know, sometimes I don't like this. I don't like the way this is going. I don't think I should handle this this way. Something seems wrong. I think I need to do something different. And I pause and either figure out, you know, kind of like what to do next or go ask someone who's been doing it for longer than me for help. But you got to listen to your intuition. So, um, I met a new man, you know, recently I mentioned that someone kind of came to me, um, after this new episode of feeling more open to it and, um, I spent a couple weeks with him and learned a lot. Not the right person still, but learned a lot. And my time with him helped it click for me I, that I needed to quit this job I was miserable in. So I kind of want to share a little bit about that. Um, not too sick, like I said, not too significant of a relationship, but by meeting him and spending time in his space, I, I took away kind of like a new outlook. So... If you're in recovery and you're starting to date again, I kind of wanted to, to touch on that a little bit too, that like sometimes I get frustrated because nothing feels super significant because I'm still like healing from, you know, the trauma bond and just like that 
all of that really like heavy stuff and so like normal stuff doesn't always feel like super meaningful but I think like sometimes dating can be beneficial just to like experience new people and the way they live and the way they think um so he was an artist and I sat on his couch one night wrapped in his blanket and I watched him paint for a long time um he was just starting one and as I watched him try to figure out what to put on the canvas I saw him do so with ease and like just let the picture of what he wanted to see in front of him come to him it did and he created something pretty cool Um, he's rather talented but watching his process for a bit that night was helpful for me in learning to just relax and stop trying to see my outcome before it happens um he asked me why I don't paint and I said well I get frustrated because I want it to look a certain way and I can't get it to look that way I'm not good at it (laughs) you know um so I do I need to relax and and I do realize that now so after a weekend with him and relaxing and watching him just be and be still and just like be okay doing nothing but sit in a chair and paint and play his guitar um like not talk on the phone not talk to anybody not do anything we did nothing like for three days straight I never do nothing I need to do nothing more and not feel weird about it it was nice um but it just brought it just brought a new sense of being okay not knowing everything that's going to happen to me and not be scared of that you know I go through I do go through phases of you know when you feel euphoria you know when you meet someone new or or someone old and you know you're getting back together that kind of makes me think of it too um you know you feel all that oxytocin I think about Robin Williams he talks about this he's describes it as a state of fuck it all (laughs) you don't care about anything you're just everything's bliss um but I think I need to stay committed to experiencing this more often on my own and more constantly you know than in dating by honoring my needs and my mind and emotions um so I don't know it was it was kind of weird but it was helpful uh, the troubled, tortured, recovering alcoholic covered in tattooed artists turned out to be not what I had thought in his original outer persona presented, you know, of course. Um, he's got a lot going on, and I I felt the roller coaster ride on the horizon <laughs> um, and split after a few weeks, but it was good. Um, but it also showed me I, I need consistency now and I need something a little different and, and not codependent um, just because of all my stuff too, you know. I really liked him. This was a hard decision to, to break it off. Um, the old me would have not broken that off and probably would have moved heaven and earth for him. But um, dating is just different for me now. It's getting better. Um, being smarter about it makes me feel safer in it and trying to find a balance between that 
you know, that openness and vulnerability. Um, I was pretty vulnerable this time around. I was proud of myself for that. Um, but you know, as soon as it started to feel like it was going to go down an unhealthy road, which I was kind of feeling, you know, like I said, pretty immediately, it was only a few weeks in, I I could kind of see like his emotional instability, not, not, that's not a put down. Not that that's, there's anything wrong with that. It's just, I don't want to date an individual who's there. Um, cause I feel like I may go backwards. So that's just what it was, but it did bring me some good. And someone, someone asked me pretty recently, what's your favorite thing about dating? Which I thought was like a weird question. I'm like, who asked that? What's my favorite thing about dating? Dating is hard, but it's actually not my favorite thing about dating. I immediately thought is you know, it's learning about myself and learning about all the kinds of other people in the world. You learn a lot if you pay attention. I actually find men rather fascinating, actually, as much as they piss me off sometimes. So I challenge you to see the world as a blank canvas without any limitations. What do you want for your life? What do you want it to look like? What colors do you want? What shade do you want it to be? What emotions do you want to live in daily? I mean, we can't control all emotions that we feel, but what emotions do you want to live in daily? Choose those. You know, he helped me see my canvas and envision what I want mine to look like and that it wasn't looking like what I wanted it to look like. Um, I wanted to be fearless. I wanted to be full of passion in my work and in love and in my writing. I want to fully embrace my role in this world as me. I'm a caretaker. I'm a nurse. I'm an advocate. I, I want to help as many people on the face of this earth feel the best they possibly can and reach their full potential. I want to reach self-actualization and then teach others to do that or teach them while I'm doing it, actually. You know, um, that's what I want for my life. So anything that's distracting me from that has to go. I want a close relationship with my daughter and the important people in my life. So I need to make choices and decisions to keep me on that road and not get distracted from that either. Um, I want to feel happy. I want to feel happy from my core, not because of someone else. And I want to feel happy in, in my own creation of life and you know, and be in the moments that make me feel most alive. I want more of those moments. I want to create that for myself and to continue being me and not feeling bad about it. You know, um, my, I think my openness to love and vulnerability is, is pure bravery and it's a superpower. And that's how I'm going to feel about it going forward. I'm not going to feel, I'm not going to feel ashamed about it anymore. I think I used to because I've been hurt by it, but I just need to be smarter about it. I'll leave you with something I, I thought would be helpful for you. Um, I actually read it this morning while I was drinking coffee. And I hope today you take a personal inventory of what you're doing that you want to be and what you're doing that you do not want to be doing anymore. And I hope you make some changes to make your life better. Start with a blank canvas and make it exactly what you want. Don't predict the future, but instead create it. 
All right, guys. Much love. Till next time.